your family's concerned and everybody, you just get so much pushback. Well, the risk. So you really have to focus on having the right mindset and and putting the right stuff in your mind to combat that and to persevere. If you're a passive investor wanting to learn more about questions to ask sponsors in order to qualify the opportunities, in order to qualify the sponsor, in order to qualify the market that the property is in, then go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. My team and I created this site just for you so that there is a free resource available to you to learn about the questions to ask, the things to think through prior to investing in deals. So go to besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's a free resource for you that was made just for you. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Sterling Chapman, how you doing, Sterling? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Well, my pleasure and glad to hear that. A little bit about Sterling. He's the president at Crestworth Capital. He's got 26 small multifamily units. Over the last 18 months, has built a $1.5 million portfolio. He's got a finance degree from the National Champions, LSU, and football. And he's the host of the podcast, The Rent Roll Radio Show, based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. With that being said, Sterling, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. So like you said, I went to LSU for finance and then I started off as a financial advisor doing retirement accounts and stuff and then transitioned to the telecom world where I shot up the corporate ladder and I'm, I'm, I'm actually still there today. I'm a regional sales director at one of the, uh, the largest telecom companies in the world. About 18 months ago, making more money than I ever thought I would, trying to figure out what to do with it, got into personal finance, got a little shaky on the corporate world because they're always shifting things around and surplusing people. So read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, got into financial independence and real estate investing, started off with a couple single family houses, then started getting some duplexes and fourplexes and used some creative strategies, borrowing other people's money, fixing them up, cash out, refinancing creating some partnerships. I've got a lot on seller financing. And then I guess I got up to the 26 units that I haven't managed today that are cash flowing me just under seven grand a month. I think that all the property is probably worth closer to 2 million at this point. And then a few months ago, I read Joe Fairless's book on apartment syndication and decided to start a podcast and create Crestworth Capital and kind of switch gears going into 2020, looking to move into the large multifamily space. All right. Well, let's talk about that. The 26 units, that is one heck of a portfolio to acquire in that period of time. And you mentioned you had some creative ways of doing it. What's a deal that stands out to you among that portfolio? The first creative deal that I put together really made me, I feel like. So the first thing I did was I went and bought a couple of single family houses and And I did those in a pretty traditional manner. I put 15% down and I rented them out. They're cash flowing about 500 bucks a month each. Little $80,000 houses that I have rented out for about 1100 a month. And then after buying two houses in two months, I was out of cash, but I was just hooked on the real estate bug. So I started reading and researching ways to expand my portfolio without putting a lot of money down. And I ran across the Burr method. So I started looking for beat up properties. I found these two duplexes side by side. One of them had been flooded and the bottom half was gutted out. The other one didn't flood. It was just slightly more elevated, but it was trash from a previous tenant. 
and I didn't have any money, like I said, but I had a friend who flipped houses. He was always interested and approached me about, he could flip houses up to me for rentals and I could get them under market value because it would save him money having a guaranteed buyer right when he was done and not have to worry about marketing and all that kind of stuff. So I found the two duplexes, got them under contract for 190000 brought them to my friend who used his investor's capital to purchase them and fix them up. His investors were a little short because they had some money tied up in other deals. So I also got my brother to invest 40 grand and, and to you know cover the difference. And he bought them. He added me to the title. He fixed them up and put about 60 grand into them. And like I said, they were purchased for 190. And then I did a cash out refinance at 80% LTV. They appraised at 390. So I was able to pull out 312 grand. I was able to pay back his investors, pay him $50,000 for all his work and pay my brother back with a a significant amount of interest. And when I walked away, I had $78,000 in equity and was cash flowing $2,000 a month. (laughs) Bravo. How did you find those two? You said you found them. I was driving all over Baton Rouge looking at properties and one of the duplexes across the street was listed on the MLS. So I went and drove by it just curious about kind of buying it in a traditional manner. And when I drove over there, I looked across the street and I saw these beat up properties that had a little bandit side stapled to the front door with just a phone number on it. So I called the phone number and it ended up being a wholesaler who who had it, but he was out of town and the properties had been handed down to somebody in an estate type of situation. And the kids were, I think were on drugs or something. And and had taken out money about it. And it was in the process of being repoed by the bank and they just needed enough to bail them out of trouble. So you had a connection with someone who had a connection with investors. They then bought the deal. You were on title with the intention of buying them out once the refi was complete. Did you say your friend, your wholesaler friend? Okay. Your friend also oversaw the renovations. Did I hear that correct? Yes. The wholesaler whose number was stapled to the door knew the the previous owners. I didn't know them at all. I just called him and locked up the contract on to buy him. And then I'd initially approached one friend about putting up the money and going in with me. And he saw the conditions of the property and kind of ran away. And then I called the other friend of mine who was a experienced house flipper who had investors who were funding his house flipping projects. So I positioned it to him and said, hey, I have this deal under contract. I don't have any construction experience. You do this all the time. I'll give you the contract if you promise to let me cash out refinance at the end and you can walk away with 50 grand for putting the money together and overseeing the construction and all that stuff. That's a win, 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 win. Everyone wins. Yeah. Even my brother that put in the last 40 grand, he ended up getting... 15% 15% on the, it was a six month project. So it was a 30% mm-hmm. annual return for him as well. So yeah, everybody came out like a bandit. And I imagine there's a lot of those opportunities in your area. Is that an accurate assumption? Yes. There was a massive flood in 2016 for the Baton Rouge area, and it must've covered a third of the city. It left so much opportunity for this type of situation where people were just walking away from the properties because they didn't have flood insurance. It just, Do you? It was, Yes. <laughs> I have flood insurance on all my units. It's How much a, does it cost for it, those two units? It's four units. It's two duplexes. Okay. Each, each duplex is 1700 a year. 
That's not a lot at all. It varies though. It can get expensive. It varies based on your flood level elevation and, and where you are and how much the properties are. But yeah, I typically try and stay away from buying rentals in flood zones because it does hurt your cash flow. But there was so much meat on that bone. I just worked the flood insurance into the numbers and still came out great. How much of Baton Rouge is in the flood zone? Probably 30 to 50%. Okay. And you mentioned that there's a lot of those types of deals. And I know you mentioned that you've read my syndication book and now you're going that direction. But why? If you've got a tried and true approach here, you've got a lot of opportunities locally and you've done it before. Why not just focus on that? I plan on kind of simultaneously going in both directions. I want to continue building up my portfolio locally, but I definitely want to go into raising larger deals that are less labor intensive. I mean, at this point I have rather demanding W2 job. I have a five month old baby and I have 20, thank you. And I have 26 residential units that I personally manage. So it's just becoming a time crunch and I just started evaluating other options and having a much larger property and using other people's money just seemed like a less labor intensive, easier, faster way to scale. So let's talk about some other units that you purchased in that portfolio. You said you started out traditional 15% down on a couple single family homes you talked about those two duplexes. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on? I don't know that I've lost money on any of them. I will say that the first single family house I bought didn't perform quite as well as I'd anticipated because I have $500 a month cash flow on it. And on a spreadsheet, that comes out to like 37% rate of return based on the 15 grand I spent to buy it. But I didn't know what to look for. I wasn't experienced. There was a lot of hidden plumbing issues. There was an HVAC issue. There was siding that had to be redone for the insurance company. So all the unforeseen repairs and issues that I just didn't think to look for because it was my first time ended up probably taking the first year and a half or so of cash flow out of it. Have you had to replace a tenant? No, I've had the same tenant there. Wait till you have to replace a tenant. <laughs> yeah, I've had to replace tenants in other units, but both my single family houses, I've had the same tenant since I got them a year and a half ago and they're great tenants. And I think in the long run, it'll have worked out to be a great deal. Just the first year's cash flow got wiped out by those unforeseen things that I look for now. Are but, you self-managing? Yes. How's that going for you? You got a full-time job and a five-month-old baby. It's escalating quickly. So <laughs> between November and December of 2019, I picked up 14 units. So they're lower income compared to the other properties that I have. So up until that point, all of my properties rented for about 1100 bucks a month. And these properties that these last 14 I picked up, they're renting for six and $700 range and they're older properties. So it's kind of coming to a head where there's a few different avenues. I'm looking professional property management, although you don't get the same type of professional property management on a scattered out duplexes as you maybe would with a large multifamily where you have more of a professional group. The kind of people that what I've seen is the type of property managers that want to chase down all those kind of low income duplexes. I just hadn't seen where they're performing as well with them as they would with me. Mm -hmm. So another option that I'm evaluating is having my wife and possibly my mother run the property management and kind of building out a property management company. 
So my wife works retail and she hates it. And we've entertained her quitting and, and us just buying a commercial office and her running all the properties out of the office and as well as getting her real estate license. So we can just make it more of a family focus. What's your least favorite part of self-managing right now? I think showing the units. I'm good at closing the leases. I've always been a sales guy. I'm a regional sales director during the day. So when I first got the properties, I was so excited because I was like, man, I closed five leases today. You know, <laughs> I, rent, I rented out 21 units in 36 days or something. That's impressive. And I got high off of it. But now just getting stood up over and over and <laughs> over again, 80% of the people don't show. Uh-huh. It's just me driving back out to the same property over and over. How far away are the properties typically from where you live? Not far. They're all in Baton Rouge, but the last 14 I bought, which I'd like to talk more about because they're all seller financed. Oh, um, we will. But those are about five minutes away from my house. So that's not a big deal. The duplexes, I ended up buying a third duplex over where those first duplexes were. It was actually the first one I went to go look at. I ended up buying it later. Those are about 20 minutes away from me. And then the first house I bought is in Baker. That's about 30 minutes away from me, though I haven't been out there in probably a year. And then I have another house that's about 30 minutes away that I haven't been out at in a year either. When I say I self-manage, I don't fix anything. I have handymen, I have sheetrockers and, and painters and plumbers and electricians. I just kind of coordinate it all and, and show the units and fill the units and do the accounting and, and all of that. But I don't actually go repair anything myself. There's so, got to be some way to improve the attendee percentage for showing up for your showings. Have you looked into that? I don't have any ideas off the top of my head. But there's got to be something in the process. I know I've interviewed people in the past who have so, optimized the process. And there's a few things I do. There's group showings. Yeah, One, that's what I was thinking of. I have zero vacancies and I've had very little vacancies from the beginning. I've had evicted two people and had the, the unit fill within a week both times. Those four units on Meadow Park that we had fixed up. I got those leased out all four units in four days. So a big thing that gives me comfort with me managing it is the sense of urgency that I handle it. The second somebody sends me a message, I'm like, oh, where are you at? I'll go meet you over there right now. And I don't think a third party property manager would necessarily have that sense of urgency. And I hate to make this general statement, but the renter base that I'm dealing with there, they seem to get easily distracted. So if they call me on Thursday, I'm like, well, I'll meet you there tomorrow at 3 p.m. They'll have disappeared off the face of the planet <laughs> by tomorrow at 3 p.m. But if I say I'll be there in 15 minutes, like they're there. So I do group showings. If I'm at the office, if I'm doing my day job, I won't, you know, I try my best not to leave. I try and set it to where it's convenient for me in group sections. But if I have, five or six people that say they're going to meet me there tomorrow at three o'clock, I'll be lucky if one shows up. But I do have a lot higher attendance rate if I say I'll be there in 15 minutes. You know, Let's talk about those 14 units. Tell us a story about it. Throughout the process of just kind of networking around the area and just calling and asking everybody that was listing stuff, I ran across this older gentleman who had been collecting properties for you know 30 years, 40 years. And he had been 1031 exchanging all these for all these years. So he had a pretty sizable portfolio and he was looking to sell. He was trying to retire, but he didn't necessarily want to take the big tax hit of this tax that he's been deferring his whole life. 
So he was open to the idea of seller financing. And also, what was he going to do with the cash? Obviously, he trusts his money in real estate. So we negotiated to do 10% down seller financing. The first one, it was a $130,000 duplex that rented for $1,500 a month. And I put $13,000 down. And we did 10% down, 30-year amortization with a 10-year balloon at a 6 or 6.5% interest rate. So I'm cash flowing 600 bucks a month on that one. And then he had a fourplex. My brother actually had some cash. He wanted to get involved, but he doesn't want to actually be involved. He just wanted to invest the money. So we had him put down the 10%. So him and I split the cash flow on that fourplex. Then we picked up four more duplexes. Two are with my brother and the two are just in my name. All with the same percent down? I think two of the duplexes I got 0% down because I was buying so much from them. Wow. Okay. So you said you met this person through the networking you'd been doing. Can you trace back more specifically how you came across this person in their properties? This particular individual, he was a realtor at some point. He listed the properties himself. I called him to ask him about one of the duplexes he had listed. Mm-hmm. And I asked him to go out to lunch with me and we just sat and talking. He said, well, actually I have all these other properties too. And We stayed in touch over a six month period until finally he said, look, I'm 75. I'm really trying to get out of this thing. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, well, I'll start taking them off your hands. I said over a couple month period, I ended up getting 14 from them. And what's the structure? You said the percent down, but what are the terms of the self-financing? All of them are 30 year AM on a six and a half percent with a 10 year balloon. Okay. Very reasonable for both parties. 10-year balloon, you're not in any rush. Right. And that area, I feel, is in the path of progress a lot. Some of the property he had, it's right by LSU. And they're building up $300,000 condos all around that area. And he had somebody come and give him five hundred grand for a half-acre lot he had next door to the properties that I'm buying. So it's in my Tear mind, down your properties. Make it a vacant lot. <laughs> right. Well, they're 60-year-old units. There's no doubt that somebody's going to come along and pay me for the land. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I'll just enjoy the cash flow. Speaking of the cash flow, what do they cash flow? Because someone might listen to this and they think, well, okay, 30 or AM, that's fine. But six and a half percent, is he making monthly income from it? Sure. So like I said, the first duplex I got from him is cash flow in $600 a month. The fourplex I got, I think is cash flow in a thousand a month. And then the last four duplexes we got, they cash flow about 600 bucks a month each. And you said at the beginning of our conversation, 7,000 in cash flow a month is what your portfolio is generating, right? Yeah. And just to be clear on that, because I don't want to be misleading. When I calculate my projected cash flow, I just do minus the interest, insurance, and taxes, mortgage, interest, insurance, and taxes. So of that, I think it's up to 6,800. There is repairs and vacancies coming out of that. Like, Like I've said, in the last year and a half, I haven't taken any vacancy hit. I've had a couple units vacant for a couple weeks, but the convert of their security deposit into revenue covered that. So I'm truly at 0% vacancy there. The repairs have eaten into it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Repairs, vacancies, and your time with management too. Those are the three big variables. 
$84,000 a year coming in, not factoring yeah. in those three. Bravo. The whole goal at the time when I first got into real estate, I had my boss who had been at the company we're at for like 17 years, got surplus. Big companies do that. They just move things around and they say, hey, look, at the end of the year, you're not going to have a job. And I was engaged at the time. I was about to buy my first house. And I just envisioned me being 40 years old with three kids in private school and car notes and, and a house <laughs> mortgage and the corporate faucet just randomly turning off. And it just terrified me. So I was like, I got to figure out a backup plan. So that was my first goal was to just create that cash flow in case something happened to my W-2 job. Since then, it's blossomed into so much more and I have much larger real estate ambitions today. But that was my first goal and I achieved it in a year and a half. How much total of your money do you have in these properties? Not a lot. I was added up the other day and I want to say it's probably around 70 grand. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? That's a really good ratio money into annual cash flow. <laughs> right. If I can invest $100,000 to make $100,000 in annual cash flow, then that's a scalable venture that I'll continue to do. <laughs> right. Taking a step back, based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say it is to kind of work on your mindset. People don't realize how important that is. I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. I know you are too. Yes, absolutely. And, and there's so much noise out there, especially around real estate investing. There's so much negativity and it comes more from people you love than people you don't. Your family's concerned and everybody, you just get so much pushback. Well, the risk. So you really have to focus on having the right mindset and, and putting the right stuff in your mind to combat that and to persevere through it. Today, nobody tells me it's a bad idea. A year and a half ago, every single person I knew told me it was a horrible idea. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. If you're a passive investor and want to learn more about Ashcroft Capital, the company I co-founded with my business partner, Frank, and in particular, want to learn more about our strategy and how we think about the opportunities that we purchase Go to ashcroftcapital.com and click the strategy button above and you'll be able to read through our thought process we use when we're purchasing multifamily properties. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at thereifoundation.libson.com. All right, you know it's coming. What's the best tool you use to stay sharp from a personal development standpoint? Reading and podcast. What's a book that you've gotten some value from recently? A book I've gotten a tremendous amount of value from recently was, was Joe Fairless's uh, oh, I know that guy. apartment syndication book. <laughs> That's Good. why I started my podcast and that's why I created Crestworth Capital. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about already? A missed opportunity trying to lowball when I could have just offered the full amount and gotten a great deal, but mm -hmm. I was greedy and just tried to save an extra few thousand dollars and lost a deal to somebody who wasn't as greedy. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? My brother actually has a program called Strong Men Academy. He's an assistant principal at a local middle school where he's dedicated to teaching. It's a lot of at-risk youth that don't have a lot of strong male father figures around. 
So he brings in strong male role models from the community to help coach these kids into growing up to be good, solid, well-rounded men. So I spend a lot of time helping him with that program. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can listen to my podcast, The Rent Roll Radio Show. They can email me at sterling at crestworthcapital.com or they can check me out on Facebook. My personal one is Sterling Chapman. My business one is Crestworth Capital and The Rent Roll Radio Show has a page as well. You're a very resourceful person, that's for sure. That deal that you talked about with the 190000 to buy and you didn't have capital at the time, so... You structured it in a way that everyone won, and that's just a microcosm of some of the other things you did that we talked about with uh, seller financing, because there's a lot of opportunity for best ever listeners who are low on capital to go find deals and then network with the right people, connect the dots, and then have a property of their own afterwards, and everyone wins one of the main things is to find the right deal because there's a lot of equity built into that and you're able to compensate everyone handsomely as a result of that. So finding the right deal is a major component of that. But then also someone could come across that deal and not know what to do with it. And I'm glad that we talked about what you did because it's a great case study for others. So really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for joining us. Hope you have the best ever day, Sterling, and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Look forward to meeting you in person at the Best Ever Conference in Keystone in February. Oh, nice. All right. See you there, my friend. All right. Thanks.